0: everyone, welcome to Buckle Up Podcast. I'm Natalia Earl and I'm a certified business and life coach that loves talking to people. I'm fascinated by humans and how our brain works. What is it that makes a decision good or bad and how does that decision ultimately shape our path and destiny? Everyone loves to talk about success, but what about the flip side? How about adversity? Failure is such a big and often necessary part of life and it's simply unavoidable. So I invite you to join me on this inspiring, honest, unpolished interview show with breathtakingly real conversations that go deep on setbacks and hardships that are part of the puzzle that ultimately lead to growth, discovery of inner greatness, and what makes us resilient. Grab your helmet and buckle up, people. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but what a ride it will be. Today's episode is brought to you by Linked, the label, Conscious Everyday Luxury Jewelry. The designers and co-founders Andrea and Carla linked up to bring their personal desire for timeless, high-quality jewelry that aligned with their active lifestyles while remaining fairly priced. From the beach to working out, they handcraft and test every jewelry piece themselves to ensure it resists everyday wear and tear. All pieces are handcrafted with the same quality materials as other luxury brands, but without the traditional markups. You guys, I'm not lying when I say the majority of my gold jewelry is from Linked. They have so many different styles from modern to timeless. I absolutely love it and wear it every day. Use promo code Buckle Up for your 10% off at shoplinked.com. Dot com. That's shop L-I-N-K-D com. Today's guest, Chris Ferreter, is the Vice President of Business Development at Sobi Promos and one of the industry's rising stars. Originally from New Hampshire, Chris went to the University of Miami where he met his two business partners and started Sobi Promos in 2010. The three millennials that lead Sobe have blurred the lines of the traditional supplier-distributor relationship. With their focus on custom work and thanks in large part to their promotional lineage, they excel at direct importing and unique hard-to-find items that can't be easily sourced. From 222000 in sales in 2013 to $11.5 million in revenue last year, Miami-based Sobi Promos was honored as one of the Inc. Magazine's 500 fastest-growing private companies in 2016 and recognized by ASI in 2017 as the fastest-growing distributor. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you arrive at the place where you are today?
1: I am Chris Ferreter. I am originally from New Hampshire, so born and raised in Nashua, New Hampshire. I went to the University of Miami, and I studied finance and accounting. Throughout my career in the business school at Miami, I did projects with my two business partners now, right? So you could probably say that the company that I started started at the University of Miami in the School of Business, and we kept in touch. I moved to Washington, D.C. I worked mergers and acquisitions for... uh, gigantic defense contractor and realized corporate America and the corporate ladder and just doing your time was not what I wanted to do and got a unique opportunity to move back to Miami and get out of the snow and come back to the nice weather. So we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. We started in 2011 and, and now here we are.
0: So what made you start your own business? What was that tipping point where you're like, I'm going to do this?
1: I always thought maybe I could start a business and I really liked like the entrepreneurial side of things. And Mm -hmm. when I was coming up in college, that was like the big sort of to do thing. It was like the in thing was to be an entrepreneur. And nowadays it's crazy how everybody wants to do it, but it it wasn't as popular then. And I moved to, like I said, Washington, DC, worked for a defense contractor. And my boss was probably like my age now at the time. He's like young thirties. And he was by far the smartest guy that I worked with. At the company, right? I worked with vice president, senior vice president, all the way up to president of this $31 billion defense contractor. He was the one that everybody went to, no matter what the hierarchy was. He was the guy, but he was never going to move up until he did his time. His career trajectory was being dictated by how long he was at this company. And to me, that always irked me, right? It was like, I'm supposed to be in this fast track program this is going to sound arrogant and cocky like i felt like i was significantly better at what i was doing than the people i was working with but i knew that that career path was drawn out it was like 5 years you'll be a director 10 years you'll be a vice president 20 years you could move up to senior vice you know and if you're lucky you get named president and i was just like that's crazy because it should be based on what you provide to the company right like what your output is i got a a very unique opportunity where my business partner's father was a very successful entrepreneur. We always used him when we did school projects. He was like our case study. And one year into my corporate job, he called me and said, you know, I'm looking to start another company and and get back into it. My non-compete has ended. Would you like to come down? And I took a leap of faith and I was 22, 23. and, And now here we are. So
0: That's amazing. I definitely agree with you on this because I worked in corporate America myself for a good like 10-12 years. I was in the hospitality industry and what I found that the higher I went, the harder it got, more hours they demanded. It was like never enough. No matter what you did, it was never enough. I broke all the goals and all the contests, but it was like, "Ah, great, but next year you have to do it twice as hard.
1: Exactly. And it was sort of demoralizing to be like, this is my first job out of college. I was all excited to do it. And like six months in, I just realized that everything was like drawn out for these people. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you break every goal that you have, you double whatever you were supposed to do, but you're not going to get a promotion over this person who's been here four years longer. And to me, that just seemed crazy. And and we've kind of brought that mantra into Sobi, where we hire a lot of people who are like, in corporate jobs would have finally realized like it's not for them and give them a chance to kind of do their own thing. So,
0: yes. So what is the biggest adversity that you faced as a business owner and how did you overcome it?
1: I think the the hardest thing you'll always run into, and this is what I tell people who are trying to start businesses is you have to have a supply of cash, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to have somewhere to get cash because, you'll always want to grow, right? Growth is always the best thing that you can do. But what eventually happens is you start outgrowing the money you have, if that makes sense. So it's like Mm -hmm. you grow at these insane rates, but then you have these outstanding receivables that you have to provide to these people. It's just like being able to have some sort of cash supply to be able to grow your company will always be the biggest challenge to people trying to start companies I think in terms of like adversity as a business owner is gelling people, right? Like building a team and making sure that team fits. And we've been very adamant about who we hire. We say, we don't care about your resume or how good you are. Do you fit in with us? We kind of built like a mini family and now there's 20 of us. We've just gotten rid of people who just didn't fit our culture before, right? It's like, You could be the greatest employee in the world. If you can't get along with us day to day and we can't be with you for eight, nine, 10 hours a day, then you're not going to work here. And I think that has been the biggest challenge for us is you can always find work to add more people, but can you find a person who fits in to do the work? And I think that's been super important to us. And I think that will always be our biggest challenge because eventually you outgrow like your friends and family network. I mean, my wife works here, both my brothers work here, my brother-in-law, my business partner's brother works here. And then it's all like friends of friends or some people we knew, but now we're going to get to the point where we have to hire people that we don't know. And we are hiring people that we don't know. And it's, it's just making sure that they don't interrupt the continuity you have in your culture. If that makes sense.
0: Yes, absolutely. I agree with you because yes, your degree is great, but what can you do? Right. Show me your performance.
1: Honestly, I will ask for resumes and references and I will never call a single one of them and I won't read a resume because I don't care. I can teach you to do any job in the world that I need done. It's can I work with you and can I count on you when I need you to put this work in? You know, like resumes are they feel so old school to me. They just like I can find out anything I wanted about somebody pretty quickly via the Internet. Right. Or through people they know. But it doesn't define the person and how well they'll do in your role if that makes sense
0: absolutely and when i was in a leadership position in the hospitality industry i found that some people were great interviewers but terrible performers or vice versa it's so hard till you see them in action
1: i think within like three to six months you can definitely tell if someone's going to work like you said people can dupe you in, in interviews very easily and write whatever they want on a resume it's it's when you get them in the office, when you really realize, did you hire the right person or did you not? That's what we usually do. We have like a trial period where we say, all right, let's just keep an eye on them, see how they do. Do they fit in? Do they do good work? And then we go from there.
0: How do you teach your staff about failure?
1: Oh, man. We just had a sales meeting and had this conversation. And it's it happens, unfortunately, a lot in our industry because we're reliant on other people to provide our product right so we're sort of most of the time we're just a middleman that kind of simplifies it but that's what we're doing right like we help you come up with a design and an idea and price it out but someone else is printing that product and delivering it to you we don't see it it might come and be the complete wrong color or the complete wrong logo or it could be just entirely the wrong product you just got to own it failure is something you have to own you have to say hey look we're sorry because consumers nowadays are so programmed to just complain because they think that you're not going to give them something back. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, oh, I must complain in order to get this resolved. But we've always been of the mindset that we're going to make it right no matter what. And that's what I tell our employees is we're always going to make it right. And you're going to have some pissed off people who get upset about stuff that was out of your control or it might have been in your control and you just made a mistake. Mistakes happen. You have to understand that we're all humans and humans make mistakes at every level of the world. As long as you're honest and you own that most people and the people you want to work with are accepting of that. If somebody can't accept that, like, Hey, you know what? I fucked up. I'm sorry. We didn't realize this was going to happen. And it did. Now I'd like to make it right. And if someone can't understand that, then you probably don't want to work with that person regardless of what they provide to you. And I think that's always been what we've taught our employees is failures are going to happen. There's no avoiding them in anything you do. It's how you react to failure and how you resolve the issue that whoever might be the end user has that defines that moment, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, definitely. And what does SOBI stand for?
1: So SOBI is South Beach, right? So we started on South Beach. Our first office mm-hmm. was on South Beach. And it's funny, there's probably like 2,000 Sobe somethings in the world. But we started on South Beach, it sounded nice. Sobe promos, we originally we were Kramer specialties because my business partner's last name is Kramer, it was well known in the industry. We thought it would help us, but then we realized we needed to appeal to end users, not our suppliers. We changed the Sobe promos that had a nice ring, and it's been that way for 10 years now.
0: Yes. And you work with companies on their marketing materials. I have worked with you for a few years now. And the biggest thing that I love about the company is the customer service, you know, how amazing you guys are with responding back. And um, I always joke that you make all my wishes come true. Coming into your conference room that you have is like being a kid in a candy store. I'm like, I can't put my logo on this and this and this. It's insane.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's what we do. We put logos on items. You know, we're an extension of your marketing team. Our motto that we like to use is your giveaways don't have to suck because all too often people just settle for pens and padfolios and just like things that aren't interesting. And we try and take an agency approach where we say, who are you going after? Mm -hmm. You're targeting 24 year old women who might drink wine. Okay, let's come up with an item that targets that specific person. Let's just not give something that would appeal to a 40-year-old man who likes to mow his long, right? We've just tried to be like hyper-tailored in our offering and make it easy on the end user. Unless you're looking at these things all day, you don't really know what we can provide, and it's worked out. We've been recognized as the fastest growing company in the industry, You know, the second fastest growing the year after we've maintained a 50% year over year growth rate besides during the pandemic. And we're on track to do it again. So obviously we're doing something right. I'm glad that you have enjoyed it. And that means a lot coming from you to hear somebody say, Hey, it's been a great experience. So I appreciate that. And thank you for being a customer.
0: Of course. And that's what's going to be my next question. Talk to me about the last two years of the pandemic and how did it affect your business and what changes did you have to make to kind of pivot with a Different solutions.
1: Honestly, the pandemic is one of like my favorite stories in terms of of what can happen to a business. We source a lot of our products from China, right? It's custom manufactured there. You can do a ton of customization. It's cheaper. It's it's just the way our industry was always built is to go overseas and provide more customization. COVID was being mentioned. It was like, hey, we have this COVID coming, blah, blah, blah. Like towards the end of January, I would always ask the suppliers, they would ask us, like, how are things with you? Because in China, it was like roaring at this point. And it, it hadn't hit us. It hadn't been in the United States. And it was starting to go like the Italy stories, the France stories were popping up. And so I started asking them back, like, hey, what's going on with you guys? And they were like, oh, we're fine now. But we have to wear a mask everywhere we go. And uh, I was like, oh, whatever. You know, when I've been over in China, they've worn masks when they do public transport and whatnot. Like, I just kept asking that question. Like, Like, do you have to wear a mask? Because it was interesting to me that everyone would sign off their emails. Like we have to wear a mask everywhere we go. That's like one thing they were adamant about telling me. in March or so we had just gone to a wedding of our friends, like the last event we went to. And I told my business partners, I said, Hey, this is going to happen here. Like they're going to make us wear masks. I don't know why I just was like, I couldn't imagine it. And you couldn't picture it, right? You could never picture the United States wearing masks everywhere they went. It just never in a million years could I have said that was a thing. I told them, I said, Hey, this is going to come here. We're going to have to wear masks everywhere we go. So we started getting email blasts to like do custom masks. And I started messing around and created like designs on them. Like, you know, like masks that I'd want to wear if I had to wear a mask. It was like, some things were funny. Some things were outrageous. Some things were like standard, like Heather gray or plaid, whatever. We created a Shopify site. Our team jumped in. We were like, Hey, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, everyone's like, we'll have two weeks and we'll be fine. And we had started to see the lull in our business. And obviously, if events and work outings or going to work ends, no one's buying promotional products. Everyone jumped in. We created a Shopify site. And this is why I love Shopify to this day. I think they're one of the greatest companies in the world and how easy they make building an e-commerce site. And we created a social media, an LLC, and we launched this website called Inspire Masks, And we put these designs up and we ordered... 250 masks as inventory. And we released it to like our family and friends. We decided to launch Instagram ads for them. Long story short, we had 250 masks on order coming in two weeks. Within 48 hours, we had taken 12,000 orders for masks. So now we had this insane issue. It was one, how are we going to fulfill this? Because now COVID is like the scariest thing in the world. You don't. No one wants to be around each other, and we don't even have the product. So we did twelve thousand mass. I could write an entire book about the customer service experience because I honestly, I went into like a like a dark place because I was getting death threats. I was getting crazy things. We were getting so many orders and so many emails that what we had to do is. Once we got the mask, we would fulfill all day. And then I would stay up all night and answer the emails because that was the only time it would stop. It was so brutal because everyone's so used to getting things so quickly. And this was such a thing that you know people are like, I'm going to die if I don't have my mask. I'm Army vet, if you screw me, I will kill you. like Things like that in these emails, which was crazy to me. And it was like a scary time in the world too, but we fulfilled them. And in this whole story, we got picked up by Amazon. So Amazon reached out to us and was like, hey, we're trying to build up our COVID offering. We saw your mask. Would you be willing to sell on Amazon? And through that, we became like one of the top 100 selling products on Amazon. In 24 hours, we built a mask website that ended up doing multiple millions of dollars in sales. We kept every employee on. We found things for them to do to help us out. And we sustained for two years, you know, until promotional products came back and now they're starting to come back. But it was a scary time, but it was just one of those things where it's like, you have to make a split decision. And that's what I love about business. And and that story I absolutely love is like, hopefully there will never be a decision we have to make like that. But we just timed it right. The day we launched the Instagram ads, I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen. It was the day the CDC announced that you had to wear a cloth mask when going out in public. It saved us. It, It really did. I don't know if that didn't happen because we didn't sell a promotional product for 14 months, probably. And if that hadn't have happened, I don't know that we'd be having this conversation today. As crazy Mm -hmm. as that sounds.
0: Wow. It's so crazy because the more and more I talk to people about the last two years, you can tell the companies that really benefited and reacted right away and kind of went with their gut. Okay. So we have to change things and we got to act fast. And the ones that they were set in their old ways or, Oh, there's nothing we can do and got the victim mentality. They all failed.
1: Correct. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a fucking crazy decision to make to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to sell masks, right? Like you have never seen a person wearing a mask in your life. And we said, we're going to sell these masks and that's what we're going to do. And we, put time resources money into it and it it was the best decision we made at that time because it allowed us to keep all of our employees on and maintain our business
0: yeah I even remember receiving your guys email about the masks yeah I was like what are they talking about like masks I'm not gonna wear a mask
1: (laughs) exactly it was like at that time it was something you could never imagine happening Mm -hmm. and it's just one of those decisions where, like, everything played out like in a sequence, It was like it was just timed right. And then we got on Amazon because the hardest part was fulfillment. We were trying to get twelve thousand masks out, and we could only fulfill like eight hundred a day by working ten hours straight trying to get them going. And then once we were able to get on Amazon, they did all of that, which took like a huge chunk of pressure off of us. Honestly, I'll write a book about that one day. I think that was an experience that, like, the emails I used to answer, and you can ask my wife, they were. It was like a, it was a dark, dark time for me, but it was, I look back on it. It was like, it was actually like fun in a way. Right. Because it just kept you like, It fueled you. what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. And we're like launching new designs from, you know, like it was, it was funny, but it was cool. I look back on it with fond memories nowadays.
0: Right. So if you could do one thing differently in the beginning, when you started your business, what would it be?
1: Honestly, I don't know. That sounds so cliche to say like. I'm one of those people that thinks everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And like, you are supposed to either learn from something or grow from something like you were supposed to overcome this in a way. I've always been a firm believer of that in my entire life. I don't know that I would change anything because we were such a small company, it was like two or three of us. And like, mm-hmm. we had to learn so much because we handled every aspect. Like you would go out, sell the product. Then I had to figure out how the hell do you collect payment for this product? Then I had to figure out how do I order this product from our supplier? Like those things were just when you look back on them, it was like, now we have departments that do all of those things. I would be more aware when courting vendors, maybe because we got screwed over by, by vendors because you listen to someone's pitch. And when you're a young kid, you're just like, oh, that was the best pitch ever. Nowadays, you can kind of see through the bullshit, right? You can be like, all right, mm. this guy's full of shit but back then just everyone sounded so perfect and we would just throw money at people and we got screwed in a couple ways like that. So maybe that's what I would change. I wish I just was just more open to like just analyzing more things. Cause it is real money that you're spending and it is, right. and it, people can sell you on anything they want. And if you're not going to see a return on it, then you need to really analyze that. And that's right. what I would probably change. So Chris, where in life did you give up? This goes back to the other thing like I can't look at something and say I've ever given up on some things aren't meant to work out and maybe mm-hmm. I gave up there but I wouldn't consider that giving up I, w- I would consider that like moving on to the next thing I've never given up on anything I don't think and I think that's a really terrible trait to have is giving up on things even when you're growing up is like if something doesn't work out like stick it out and then move mm-hmm. on from it and go on to something else like I dated my wife long distance for like 10 years between Miami and New Hampshire, where people were like, Hey, you should give up on this. This is crazy. And it's like I wasn't giving up on it because I knew she was the person I was going to be with for the rest of my life.
0: It's but amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a crazy story, but it, it worked out. I just don't think you give up on things. There are things you have to put behind you. You have to say, Hey, I'm done with this. You could quit something and say, This is not what I'm supposed to be doing, or this is not useful for me, or there's no reason for me to be here. But I don't think I've ever given up on anything. I don't Yeah,
0: no. awesome. I've
1: always tried to like finish something out. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that probably sounds cliche, but I'm not like a hard. No. I just don't. I, I'm I don't the same way.
0: The I'm almost yeah. like this cannot control me. And I'm going to yeah. finish it out unless that's it's exactly like right. physically hurting or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Or killing someone.
1: right? Like, exactly. <laughs> but I don't think that would be giving up. I just think that's <laughs> like, <this is> not <laughs> right. what I'm
0: supposed to be doing, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So last few questions that I ask everyone, mm. if you were granted three wishes, what would they be? World
1: peace, obviously be number one. Second wish would be for this whole pandemic to be behind us. Obviously, that would never be a a normal wish. But I just want to go back to our lives originally, like that would be a wish for me. And I just want to see my kids be successful and do what they want to do, right? I have a two year old son and another baby on the way. And my wish for them would to be able to never give up on anything and fulfill any dream they might have.
0: Mm -hmm. And where can the listeners find you, Chris?
1: You can find me here at Sobe Promos all day www.silvipromos.com. I'm on Instagram at at c 10. I'm not very active on anything else, but I mean, I'm at, come to us at hello at silvipromos.com. If you're looking for any sort of promotional products or marketing giveaways, I'm happy to help you out. Just ask for Chris.
0: Awesome. And what would you like to be most known for?
1: It's funny because I used to be like very about my own goals. And now that I've become a father, I'm like, Right. You just you're just no longer living for yourself, right? As crazy as that sounds, I'd like to think that, like in our industry, which is a unique industry that that people look at it as they change the way the industry was designed because it's a very archaic and old school, set in its ways industry that we've taken a new approach to, and I hope that when it's all said and done, people say, "Hey, Sobe Promos did differently," mm-hmm. and they showed us the new way. That's the legacy I want to leave on the promotional products industry. And I would be very happy if that's all that came
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. It was a pleasure having you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome talking with you and I appreciate your time.
0: Thank you so much for taking this ride and spending part of your day with me. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and if it inspired or impacted you in any way. And if you got anything helpful out of it, don't forget to subscribe. It would mean so much to me if you left a quick review and shared this podcast with others on your social media platforms. And of course, don't forget to tag us. Stay true to yourselves, friends. Until next time. Adios, Adiós. Adiós.